Hello and welcome to the Business Examiner podcast from the trenches. Uh, This afternoon, we've got a great guest for you. It is Christy Fairholm-Mater of the Scale Institute Society and Scale Collaborative. She's speaking with me about the newly launched Business Legacies Incubator funded by the Island Coastal Economic Trust. Uh, It's a fantastic initiative that is going to be addressing some challenges both for small businesses who uh, are in need of succession support as well as nonprofit organizations who are looking to future-proof funding for their organizations and this kind of new focus on social enterprises. So we really hope you enjoy this interview um, and uh, we will head over there now. So uh, I'm Christy Fairholm Mater. I am one of the principals with Scale Collaborative. We're based out of Victoria, BC, and work um, primarily on Vancouver Island um, and in rural communities and across BC and in other parts of Canada. But um, we're based here and we love being Islanders and do a lot of our work here. So the my background is really in the nonprofit and charity sector. I've worked in the sector for a long time and have been uh, I'm going to say working more as a social entrepreneur within the sector. So running organizations and enterprises that um, are able to look at innovative and entrepreneurial approaches to creating, to creating the change that they're trying to, trying to achieve. And so one of the approaches is being able to, you know, diversify revenue streams and to be able to look at how nonprofits and charities can can own and operate and start social enterprises. And so myself and the other two principals of Scale Collaborative, Christy Revey and Lee Heron, came together because all of us had had experience in operating and, and running entrepreneurial organizations like this, including acquiring businesses. So the reason why we came to this work in particular around the Business Legacies Initiative, and Scale does a bunch of other work in addition to this, but around the Business Legacies Initiative is that we've um, been supporting and working with organizations a lot on how to, how to do social enterprise, right? How to own and, and operate um, you know, businesses that deliver revenues and impact um, back to the organization or as part of a nonprofit organization. And most nonprofits are starting up social enterprises. So they will do a startup model. Um, and a lot of nonprofits operate enterprising activities and are, are growing in terms of social enterprises. It's a, it's a growing field for sure. Um, and, but we had had experience in acquiring businesses and having them come under nonprofit control and ownership. And so we were began to question, well, why aren't more nonprofits doing this, right? Because startup path can be really difficult can be really challenging. Uh, it can take a number of years before your business is sustainable and generates revenues and there's a lot of capacity to grow. Um, and acquiring businesses has different challenges, uh, but one of the challenges is not trying to get a business from zero to nothing and make it sustainable. It's, it's you come in with sort of different, different knowledge and different ground level when you acquire a business. And so that was where we began to look around and, and understand sort of what's the opportunities and what's the barriers of operating a business as a nonprofit or a charity. Um, and at the same time, we're seeing that there's a upcoming shift of business ownership due to, to the boomer generation and that there will be a significant number of businesses that are gonna come for sale within the next five to 10 years. And so for us, we think in communities, especially in smaller communities, being able to, to acquire those businesses and hold them um, as, as community assets, as democratically, democratically owned assets or, or um, assets that are, where the profits are going back into supporting community 
um, is a is a real opportunity to solve two problems. At once. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's exciting to hear. It reminds me of because I know there's community futures, the Alberni Cleoquot. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, they bought Coombs Country Candy, right? Is that is is that part under this umbrella, or is that just kind of a, a happenstance? So they are a partner in the project and, and they are in the advisory group. And so we've used their, their experience to help identify and, and create a case study on other nonprofits who might be able to. So we have a number of case studies and they are one of the case studies that's going to help inform the process of supporting um, other organizations to do a similar thing. Awesome. Are you allowed to speak at all about what some of those other test cases are, are going to be or is that kind of under wraps for, for now? So we have test cases in the past that we've been using as, as that case study. So, you know, Firmwood Energy, they acquired a yoga studio, they acquired a hair salon. So we've used those as other experiences and they've been, that's down in Victoria. Um, So that's, that's available to look at in terms of um, identifying those case studies. And then since the press release has gone out, I've been contacted by about three nonprofits that are also looking at considering acquiring as well as we have a couple of others through our surveys and interviews that have said we really want to try and try and see if we can move this forward as well. That's awesome. Um, it's, so if pretend that I'm, you know, a nonprofit, can you walk me through kind of, you know, maybe a Cole's notes on how you coach them or walk them through this, this A, this acquisition process, and then B, you know, the profit, it's no longer a dirty word. It's now a revitalization word, <laughs> a future yeah. word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the reason why we're, we've identified needing something, you know, there's lots of business buying and selling that happens in community all the time. Right. Uh, and there's, and there's supports that provide great resources and, and assistance to help, help people to do that. And community futures and venture connect do that. Um, what's missing is that a nonprofit governance and legal and financial structure is very different. So it's not an individual or a family deciding to acquire something. There's many layers of governance and decision-making and assessment and trying to figure out where the values alignment is. Like there's just all those considerations. So the first part of the process is to, is to say, is this something that our organization wants to do? And then to get those decision-making processes in place to be able to set the criteria, to be able to set sort of the values place, to be able to look for those businesses and proactively approach them. So that's, that's a really key part. And then one of the main barriers of nonprofits and acquiring businesses is that when a business comes up for sale, because those decision-making processes are more complex, they take a longer time. And so um, nonprofits can lose out on opportunities because the time frame that they need in order to go through the approval process and the decision-making process just is, is not fast enough for the sale of the business. So our goal with the, with the business acquisition incubator is to have nonprofits get themselves ready so that when the businesses are come up for sale that do meet their criteria. So it's looking at what are your criteria? What are you trying to achieve? Um, then they are, they're all ready with their ducks in a row so they can, they can be competitive in that acquisition. We're also um, looking at, at um, you know, business owners, how they transition those businesses and how do you transition a business from a traditional business into a social enterprise. And so we look at that, that transition plan of capacity as well as values as a business becomes a community um, owned social enterprise. And, and a lot of, um, a lot of it is around, um, around transitioning the community goodwill that the business might already have, right? And, and making sure a nonprofit understands the sector that it operates within in the industry, which is the new information that they might have to gain. And having that transition period take place over 
you know, one to three years, right? It's not always just a quick exit out. So it's a different kind of process as well um, in order to, to do that. And we see that business owners who really are deeply embedded in their community actually care about their legacy. And so this transition of being able to transition their employees to, to this kind of ownership, to have, know that their business is gonna have some legacy in community is, is makes it appealing for them. And so most of the um, case studies and conversations that we've had where this has been successful has had that, that transition plan. Um, and then the other pieces to consider are how do you finance it? Nonprofits have faced barriers to financing. And so thinking through those financing in advance um, and there's some really interesting innovative ways that those barriers are being overcome. And then how do you own it? And again, nonprofits are able to own businesses. So usually um, the, the business is still a separate entity but it's owned by the nonprofit and then the profits go back in to support the nonprofit's core activities. Mm. So that's all permitted and, and um, provides opportunity for nonprofits. And sometimes that arm's length distance also then allows that business to, um, to do what it needs to do in order to be a really, really good, um, a good, uh, a good business within the community. And then, and then it's about the question is where do the profits go? And here's where the profits go back into supporting the activities of the, of the nonprofit. Very cool. Can you elaborate a bit on the financing stuff? Because I know, like community futures, we have experience with um, one of our or one of my staff members is on the board for the Central Island. We have good relationship with them, and so I would, you know, them as a, I could imagine that they're probably a potential funding source. Is there anybody else or anything, an alternative financing uh, strategy that you guys are that you guys have in mind or? Yes. So, I mean, community futures are a fantastic resource um, in communities. And, you know, we also always encourage having the conversations with your credit union or your financial institution in advance so that you can think through, like, what are the challenges or how do you begin to put together the financing? Um, there's also, you know, a really exciting rising impact investment sector that's looking for these kind of enterprises to invest in. And Scale Collaborative is part of developing a fund that will help to support and fill the gaps where there are there are barriers to nonprofits accessing the kind of patient and flexible capital that will allow them to acquire. So it's it's there is a specific space where where there's an, an opportunity for for the kind of um, financing that that you know uh, scale collaborative is going to provide and that the community futures provide and often in partnership with each other. Um, and, and the challenge for nonprofits tends to be around where who, who, who guarantees the loan, right? Um, <laughs> there's issues around collateral, who guarantees the loan? There's issues around revenue, right? They're not counting grant revenue or donation revenue, secured revenue. Like there's some issues that make nonprofits seem risky, even mm -hmm. though these organizations have been in community often for decades um, and continue to, to grow and deliver services. And the financial system doesn't sort of recognize um, their business model as one that um, that is one that they want to take a chance on. So it just becomes a little bit more skippers. So we need that money and those resources that will allow nonprofits and charities to be able to also um, grow, build assets, you know, become stronger, have enterprising revenue streams and so on. So those gaps are being filled. Fantastic. It's very cool. It's a very cool solution to a problem that, you know, we hear about when we're talking to companies um, and it's certainly outside the box. So I'm excited to see yeah. what that, what that looks like. Um, I, if you didn't mind, I wanted to ask you a couple of uh, sort of personal career questions. I went through your LinkedIn and then your company site, your organization site, you guys do a ton of different things. Mm -hmm. And for you specifically, 
there's been some consistency in your career? Is it at least from, from what's on LinkedIn, right? There's a lot of social good um, that's kind of at the focus uh, or yeah, the theme of your career is what it, outside looking in. Can you speak to what's driven that? Um, and yeah, because it's, it's often you see people kind of hop around to do different things, but yours has been pretty steady, different organizations, but a vein of social good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a family where, you know, my uncles work in the prison system doing volunteering connection to, to prisoners. I work with, you know, my mom who has been a social entrepreneur um, pushing forward violence prevention and, and safe spaces for children and anti-bullying stuff. You know, I've worked, I'm in a, I'm in a family where social, social good and how we give back to the world has been a value that's been very high. And, and so when I went to go to university, I, that was the sort of place that I started, which is, you know, I went into child and youth care and was a youth worker. Now it wasn't quite a fit for me. Um, I'm, I'm a little more introverted <laughs> than youth workers need to be. Um, so not saying there's not great introverted youth workers there are, uh, but for me, um, I wanted to begin to look at how I could create change in a different way. And I'm just the way that I think and the way that I see opportunity tends to fit more in the line of business and uh, community and economic development and those kind of um, areas of, of change and and thinking that if we can change if we can change how the economies work and how we value the you know the, the different kind of um, benefits that that enterprising approaches and innovation can can deliver and we we value it by by looking at those you know multiple bottom line solutions i really feel like we have the potential to build a more regenerative economy a more community-based economy a more you know economy that that looks after people and planet alongside of 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 financial sustainability um and so that has just always resonated with me so i've continued to move forward in looking at what i consider the ecosystem which is you know how you know what are the what are the enterprises that are delivering delivering great value in terms of their products and services and and social value environmental value you know, how do we spend our money, you know, institutionally and as people to direct those kind of dollars towards such enterprises? And then how do we invest in those in those entities so that they can do more good and grow and scale and become, you know, become a force to be reckoned with? So those are the areas that that I continue to work in, which is enterprise procurement and, and investment. And, and I see so much exciting stuff happening in all of those areas. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, last, I got three quick ones for you. Um, again, outside looking in, it looks like you have a heavy workload, uh, with, you know, everything that your organization does. How do you structure your kind of your days and weeks to manage everything that you've got coming at you? Yeah, I think in, in this kind of work and in so many work, you sort of sit on the balance of capacity, like right on the razor's edge of capacity. <laughs> Um, and so some, sometimes I feel like it's, it's good. And I have a day where I put my feet up and get to have thinking conversations and so on. And, and other weeks it's, it's, uh, it, I feel, I definitely feel on that edge. Um, so we try to track out where we're going to be six months in advance and try to anticipate our capacity needs coming up and hire for them before those capacity needs become too intense. Um, and then we're very careful about hiring and making sure that we're hiring people that, that bring their innovation and bring their self-motivation to it so that we're working together in partnership um, so that we can, we can be nimble um, and, and grow um, with, with uh, the right people. So it's a, you know, getting the right people on the bus. And then we really, really work through networks and partnerships. So all of our work that we do with the projects that we do underneath it 
is as contractors, our partners, our our other people that are aligned, and we find ways to then bring and build strong partnerships that allow us to not only do something really great in that initiative or what we're doing there, but also our organizations or our partnerships, they also then get to grow and expand and, and you know, enhance, you know, build on what they're doing. So I think those those are the ways that we, we manage our capacity. Awesome. Thank you. Um, best personal advice that you've received that's kind of impacted your career? Uh, one of my bosses said, you know, we're working on the problems that aren't going to be solved by your generation. Um, you're always working on a problem that's not going to be solved by your generation. So you need to think, need to think big and, and, and think long-term. And that's allowed me to both take hope, you know, when things feel stuck or feel difficult, but it's also allowed me to let go. So it, it's been helpful as a guiding star of knowing that the things that I'm working on now today will be advanced, um, but they're also, the solutions are, are potentially beyond, beyond my own personal career. Awesome. Last one for you, favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island. Oh my gosh, I, so, so many. <laughs> and I, I love to eat out all the time. Um, let's see, who have I loved? You know, I, I love Fifth Avenue. I'm gonna give a Fifth Avenue bar and grill shout out because it's my neighborhood pub. Um, okay. And so, and I just walked down there the other day and they're so friendly and they make their pizzas in a, you know, one of those wood burning stove ovens. And it's just, it's just always, it's always a, a great go-to, but there's so many. Thank you very much for stopping by this episode of From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. A very special thank you to Christy uh, for taking time out of her busy schedule to speak with us. Uh, there will be links uh, to her organization and the new program uh, discussed in the podcast in the description. Um, and as always, have a fantastic week, and we will talk to you um, next Monday afternoon.